Hi, I'm Scott Wayne. And I'm Ace Colwood. And I am back. Welcome to Envoy Recorded Radio. Good to have you back. <laughs> I mean, you're not Perry, I'm, to be clear. I'm not Perry. Welcome All right, back. cracking on. Uh, this week's episode is involuntary sponsored by Blanchard's Coffee. Blanchard's Coffee, I'm sure if you go to Blanchard'sCoffee.com or something like Google it, I don't know. Anyway, the reason it's Blanchard's Coffee, they're a, they're a remarkable company uh, doing really amazing coffees that are tied to the communities in which they grow coffee. But the real reason they're the sponsor of this week's episode is a great conversation I had with a barista over the weekend, which introduces our regular new segment around etiquette. Etiquette, the etiquette segment. The etiquette (laughs) segment. Say that five times fast. (laughs) So this week's etiquette segment is for baristas. Is it, it has gnawed at me for some time. Wait, 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 time out. Is etiquette segment just things Scott wants to rant about? things Scott wants to okay. rant about. Okay, all right. It's entirely it. And occasionally I will, I will pretend that they're British things that Americans should learn, but really I'm just making it up and saying them. Sure. So the, the habit of baristas saying when you order a cup of coffee, because mm-hmm. I take my coffee black with a little bit of sugar in it, just take, take the bitter edge off it, Okay. is for them to say, would you like room for cream and sugar? Well, look, Perry's nodding his head with passion here. Yeah. So this doesn't... Perry's laughing at you. This doesn't make sense. Okay. Because the cream adds adds volume. It does. The sugar dissolves and adds micro micro elements. Negligible. Negligible amounts of... So then I say no, Mm -hmm. and then the barista will hand me the coffee, and then I put sugar in it, and I look at complete jackass because I said no to... Or now we're holding... You get the idea. Anyway... I had this conversation with the barista in Blanche's. She was great, and it came up because she didn't ask if I wanted sugar. She said, dude, I want room for cream. And I almost left over the counter and hugged her. And after I realized I probably shouldn't do that, we had this conversation. And so this week's episode brought to you by Blanche's Coffee. I, there's, <laughs> t- there's so much, so much to unpack there. Can we just say, you, you put the etiquette segment on I our did put shared the note, etiquette and segment. I have contributed so many. <laughs> I'm just the angry man. It's you, just the Englishman ranting about America section. Okay, but, but let me let me like just tie this up yeah. with a bow before we All move right, to the next okay. thing. So what you're saying is when, when they ask if you want room for cream and sugar, they're asking the wrong question. Yes. It's do you want room or do you not want room? It doesn't matter what you do with that room. Absolutely. Okay, so the so, question actually, is... that's interesting because I frequently spill my coffee in the car because I've developed this horrible habit of drinking coffee in the car uh-huh. because why would you do one thing when you could do two things because hashtag America. So, and then it spills. So yeah. room could be room for car. It could be room yeah. for cornering. Honestly, I need Fast room for all of the above because I use cream. I use simple syrup, which oh, does take volume, not just the sugar that you use. But then I put it in the cup holder of the truck, which just rattles around and it ends up <laughs> on my leg when I get to a thing. So I also need room. And they ought to just ask room rather than for cream and sugar is what I'm taking away. I like that. Shall, shall, we, just, uh, shall we just give people a warning that also on this list you have added tipping? And this is a podcast in of itself. Oh, God. A, a yeah, no, we're not going to go to tipping today. Oh, hang on. I've thought of another one. Everybody just be quiet for a second because I've, I've thought of An, yeah. another ad. To I'm the just going to give us, actually, I'm going to give this one for free. Okay. So for people who work in the airline industry um, in the United States, we disembark from a plane. We do not deplane. We do not strip <laughs> planes <laughs> from us. We will now be deplaning and we're just stripping that. Yeah. Deplane yeah. implies the existence of planing. 
like one one ha- one must plane to D plane, and that might be the plane hill that I die on. All right, there okay, moving on. Uh, so there was a sports competition yesterday that I don't think we should talk about at all. I don't even know who won. <laughs> It's so ridiculous. Uh, the birds did not win, which means Philadelphia is halfway on fire. Okay. But had they won, it'd be fully on fire. Okay. And so I don't know for the city of Philadelphia. So well I done. went. I went bowling during the Super Bowl last night. <laughs> oh, did you really call did. it the Super Bowl? Ten, ten pin the bowling. Whole time? We went ten pin bowling, Good. and they had the Super Bowl on. I had like we maybe we'll post a picture. All the lanes, all the lanes were there. Anyway, it was a good. It was a good way to watch. Uh, it was a good way to not watch. There's the Super Bowl and then the British Super Bowl, and they're very different things. Hey, can we get into a serious thing? Sure. So I want to talk about emotional Kevlar this week. What does that even mean? In the corporate space of um, we working with more and more brilliant people who are responding almost over-virtuously around receiving negative feedback at work about their work. Mm. Yeah. And I think we've, we may have crept a little bit too much of bringing our whole selves to work. So here's, so here's the All conversation. Right. The past five, 10 years, we've sure. talked about bringing our full selves to work, right? And how do you be who you are in the workplace and all of those good things. Yeah. Is there a downside to it? And that as you bring your full self to work, when the people you work with say, hey, this could be better. We did it better. When I was running this department, it was better. All that stuff that mm. is just said in mm-hmm. organizations, right? It's that. That because we're sort of there fully, we sort of take it as personally as a family member critiquing us. Mm. And I want to I come on to the who do you give a shit about conversation exercise. Okay. But I, I wonder if that's a thing, is that we have... Um, You are your full self at work, and then when when I say a you know report X wasn't yeah. as good as it was in my day, uh-huh. that's that's the equivalent to your mother saying I'm disappointed in your grade son versus ah this is just somebody I work with and what does he know? Yeah, uh, maybe have we gone too far? Maybe like that is a downside. It it kind of it's a pros and cons. What are the benefits there and? I think to that end, to maybe the same conclusion is we have not built the professional world, and I'm not sure we should either for what it's worth. We have not built that to function as a family, despite as often as I hear we're family at this organization. Oh, I hate the word like we're family. I think any any organization that talks about being a family ought to run in you ought to run the other direction from that. But sound like where's my abusive little brother? Right. Like where where's the little brother that once bars with us is wildly unprofessional to do. Um, You know, where's the I don't know, trauma that parents layer over us sometimes like <laughs> I, I mean all of those pieces of family dynamics uh, probably shouldn't exist in the professional world and so to show up fully yeah we do that but i think that could be tempered to your point like i think we went 100 percent, maybe 75 because i do like the idea of can i be more fully a human being and not yeah. pretend that i don't have other things happening Absolutely. in my life and i think that was the the nine to five or or even hourly work, it was I get there, I do my thing, I shut it off, I go home. We're too connected for that to really be the case the way it used to be. Um, and like 
we are people who have things going on. And so I like the idea of understanding our colleagues better than we used to because it's not just topical. We spend, what, three quarters of our life at work? Mm -hmm. I mean, like, there's a reality of... I've mentioned that I spend 95.6% of my life with you. Yeah, I mean, legitimately, right? If 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 we had to uh, temper or neuter who we are in order to be professionally, we'd be shutting off a core piece of ourselves for a vast portion of our lives. And so I like the idea of being able to show up as humans, but to your point, it doesn't go all the way to this is family and I think the feedback and our ability to recharge and um, do great work without that being our entire identity is also important. So I'm, I think, advocating you know, for a little bit of balance from the overcorrection we've landed at right now. You know, Vera's listening to this in the room next door and right now she's probably adding a, a conference speech to the website that says bring 75% of yourself to work. I'm not sure that's going to sell so well. No, that's interesting is that because if you are truly that vulnerable, I mean, you're that vulnerable. And I think busyness too. the combination of sort of being very open about yourself and just racing from place to place. Mm -hmm. It's actually not like the family dinner table where you get to sit and give context and feedback and that you're, these things yeah. are just incoming. You're, you're checking your email on your phone as you're heading into that meeting and there's got criticism and it sort of comes straight through. So I, I wonder if there isn't an element of, you know, how do you bring your, your as much of yourself to work, but also just a, a little bit of Kevlar protection around, um, can I, Your soul. can I throw in a, soul a thing? And I, I, I don't know that you and I have talked about this before, but it, right. it might be interesting to I'm lay talk over. about anything on this. Well, thing. that's yeah. the point, I think. Um, and it's very obvious to people this is not scripted. <laughs> the the overcorrection theorem, which isn't oh. a real theorem. It's just okay. an idea in my head. Right. But if I went back to school and were pursuing a PhD, I hang might... Hang Was this by Carl von Venblenblenblen? <laughs> no, we no. need to talk about him. <laughs> Torstein, Van Blend. I got the name now this week. No, the overcorrection theorem. If I were to go back to school, this would be a thing that I think would be really interesting, which is humans have a natural proclivity to overcorrect when faced oh. with failure. So if I am out of shape um, or if I failed at a relationship or if I failed professionally, swing. we swing 180 oh, degrees, yeah. right? And so I've gotten out of shape. Therefore, I'm going to work out every day. I'm going to only eat salads, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. That, what I posit is that will uh, also result in failure, that 180 degrees. And so what I, mm -hmm. what I would love to study is see if you could quantify the correction mm -hmm. angle, which I would posit is less than 90 degrees, probably an acute angle. If good data went into the initial decision yeah. and it was met with failure in order to get to success, I would posit an acute angle of recalibration is probably right. So it's not work out every day and eat salad only. That's going to result in burnout as well. What I would expect is if you work out three times a day and change your diet incrementally, probably closer to that success in health. A relationship is the same thing. We swing to the opposite person from our ex. Professionally, we do all of the different things as not to see failure again. And what I would say is we probably need to tweak a couple things if good data went into the original decision. So to that bringing our whole selves to work, I think we've overcorrected. I think there's too much of that and we probably should have taken from pretending we don't have lives outside of work rather than 
our life is our work, we could probably land somewhere that says we ought to be a little bit more human with each other, but it's not that this is our entire existence, nor are our coworkers' family. So I think the overcorrection theorem may be layers in here as well. So overcorrection theorem. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. So uh, Mickey Canonis, if you're listening, you're the dean of the school. Well, you know you're the dean of the School of Business, University of Richmond, because that's the job that you have. Mm -hmm. uh, Ace is wandering down now, if we could have a tenured seat. Or um, Diana and James, if you could just hop down the street to... Um, the Margaret Thatcher School of Business at Oxford. Oh, I'd love to see you teaching the Margaret Thatcher School no, of but, Business. No, but think about there, it. There is a, think no, about I, how this I applies to the decisions we make on the you corporate swing, front as well. It's like, yeah. yeah, can we take the data and can we start to look at all of the things that went into a decision and how we tweak two or three variables rather than like throw the baby out the bathwater, try the polar opposite, meet failure there. And then the last question, and I'll just park this, is as humans psychologically are we required to go from one pole to the other to get to somewhere in the middle right. like do we need both need poles to. of experience or can we just go partially and not wonder what's at the other end and like that i think is a human nature that rolls into so how we visually make you're saying you don't want people to swing from one pole to another that you want a pole in the middle and for them to swing around that uh, the tether ball yeah that's that's where you're going that's where we've landed this very deep philosophical swing ball we call it discussion. swing ball swing ball tether ball you use it like you're on it. you're on our turf it's tether anyway ball. okay uh, i think that's actually that's interesting i yeah the the over so i do think we're seeing it in corporations right now yeah. that have gone from this very empowered uh, uh, team of teams, sort of servant leadership model to measure, 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 measure. Mm -hmm. And it, the, the healthy path is probably somewhere in the middle. But as finances have gotten tight, particularly in certain sectors, uh, yeah, no, it's a natural thing. I think it's a, is it a natural thing or is I, it just something that we... I, that's what you can study. It, it, it would be. But this isn't, um, it's not or compromise middle ground BS decision. Yeah. It's pointed what variables ought we tweak to get to success because we think we made a solidly founded decision that just wasn't successful. Um, so that's not the like, let's pick the middle thing and do that. That's tepid at best and nobody wants that. Were you just a little worried that that was how you're coming across? I, yeah. Just pick no, the middle no, thing. Don't just pick the middle <laughs> thing. Okay. Uh, What's next? Should we come to good news? Mm. Do we have since, any? Since we're kicking around uh, theories and hypotheses, okay. as if we're as if we're leading, <laughs> we're thinkers. in our podcast suite pontificating. Um, I think we've solved the energy crisis. Ooh! And I was reminded of this when I wasn't watching the Super Bowl while I was bowling last night, okay. but the Super Bowl was on in the background. Um, also, oh my word! If the attention span, for the love of something. Wow. I still don't know where you're landing on this. Well, I think everybody knows just by me saying this. Okay. So to the rest of the world, you can't watch. I don't think you watch the full thing. But when you see the highlight reel on the news of, hey, the Americans had the Super Bowl, which we, they will describe as the largest sporting competition in the world. It is world championships. Clearly not. Yeah. It's just, that's just a lie. Yep. So because it's like, what was John Cleese said about the World Series in baseball? Um, America's always win because you don't invite anybody else to play. Um, so, so the Super Bowl, so you get a highlight, right? So if you're watching yeah. the TV in Hong Kong and Sydney, wherever, you get this highlight. Oh, it's the American Super Bowl yesterday. And I think people think the highlights are like this spliced together of like, wow, look at all those flashbangs and whizzes. And, but I don't think people understand that that is for four hours. It's just like fireworks and then spinning screens, then a loud commercial and then mm -hmm. something else. And yeah. it is like a... 
It's like we need Adderall for 350 million people. It's probably not appropriate to say that. I don't... Uh, well, it. It's too late. Yeah, it is yeah. too late. Anyway, back to the good news. Um, I think we solved the energy crisis. Okay. I, really, I really do. If you... So on a serious basis, and I, I, I'm stealing this. I've seen a few comment, commentators say this. But I'm reminded of some work that we did with a very large player in renewable energies that was looking at similar trends. The... The price of wind in particular, yeah. uh, wind generation and solar and nuclear coming back on stream. And I realize nuclear is a whole separate conversation oh, sure. we'll, have, we'll have on another show, actually. But the, the, the price of renewables is crashing in a good way. Yeah. Uh, and so, of course, we're not there yet. But I suspect we may be living in a world in five years' time between a combination of nanogrids and yeah. local solar and wind and the combination that may be Putin's gift to the world. It's certainly not Putin's gift to Ukraine, but that it has been that push. Turning off some of our has, energy supply. So we have to. We have to. We yeah. have to innovate. Um, uh, but we, I, I mean, that it, the fact that we had to be pushed that way from a thing we knew was detrimental yeah. to the, our state of existence. Yeah. I, one of my favorite things is uh, people say, save Mother Nature. That's my, that's, <laughs> this is my rant right now. People say, save Mother Nature. And I promise all of us, every one of you three listeners, uh, Mother Nature will murder all of us. We are not saving Mother Nature. We're, we're saving, saving humanity. We're saving, we're saving mankind is what we're saving. The planet will be fine. It, it will be the fine. The planet will recover. She continues to not. be fine. She will continue on that trend. But yeah, I mean, it, it, the fact that we were forced into a decision similar to the pandemic, we were forced into using some of the technology at our disposal to stay connected. Yeah. Zoom skyrocketed, as did all of you know, WebEx, et cetera. They all existed. We were forced into using them in a way that might have made our lives a little easier prior to a pandemic. I think uh, as we're talking about energy, it's a, yeah, we had something shut off at the faucet and now we had to scramble to go find other avenues and turns out they might be okay and maybe even better make our lives a little more enriched. I dig that. Have you ever stood under one of those um, big wind generators? No, I haven't. I, it's amazing. So That was not on my to-do list back, for 2023. Back in the trend of uh, admitting to committing, <laughs> to committing <laughs> illegal activities on, <laughs> on board recorded radio. <laughs> years and years ago when I lived in Southern California and I, I worked at the consulate um, and I helpfully had immunity and diplomatic yeah. license plates. And I drove this. Uh, yeah, the old Jeep? Is this yeah, the story Jeep. of the Jeep? But uh, there's, a, there's, there's this field of um, huge wind generators as you head from LA to Palm Springs. And um, I just kind of pulled off the road mm -hmm. and there was an open gate, as mm -hmm. there often is in life, and just drove amongst them. Um, and then we stood under, and just that. The sound, it's incredible. Yeah. It's like, I think that beautiful. Noise pollution, the noise pollution conversation around wind energy is interesting, right? For folks who are in like direct proximity to a wind turbine, yeah. they'll complain about it. But I, I wonder if we think about wind energy um, as perhaps the driver for what might be new new ways of powering our cars or getting to some critical mass yeah. of electric vehicles. If offsetting the road pollution and the noise there is worthwhile oh, by the, taking the some of the sound. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's so interesting because that's not a debate in the north of England where I'm from, where there's just this constant wind from the north. Everybody mm. walks slightly sideways. So it's just wind. It's just wind. Just you can do something with the wind or you can, can not, be, but there will be wind. manufactured by okay. a wind generator or the North Sea. So, yeah, so I, but then... The, the sort of the very forward thinkers are around uh, 
global politics or conflict mm -hmm. are very focused on water rights, okay? So the drying up of the Colorado relationships with Mexico here in North America, but massive connotations in the Middle East and um, countries neighboring around Jordan and Israel and um, Egypt. Like, what do we do about water access and the conflict that can come from it? And a lot of blurry agreements around water rights as it goes. Yeah. But if we solve for the energy crisis, desalination, which is incredibly energy consumptive, so mm -hmm. taking salt water and desalinating it, yeah. which is, that's when you use the word D, <laughs> right? So the saline in it and you desaline it, right? That, that they're not deplaning. Right. I, don't look at me. I, just, I said if you, we deplane, we have to plane. That was my disembark only. Disembark <laughs> salt from water. Anyway, so gosh, this language. So the but that could have some really interesting implications for how we solve the water crisis. Because if we can solve for energy, then you can afford. Then you can afford yeah. to. Yeah. Now yeah. none of this is all of this is battling Mother Nature to your point, and ultimately she will win. Crypto came to mind. I, I'm not going to go there. I'm just saying for all of the well, energy we're like, talking about. We are brought to you this just, week by crypto, Aces Crypto no, Exchange. No, just go should. to acescrypto.com and God. invest your real money. Uh, see, the thing is, and money. this is pirate money. We can give people digital Humanity money. at its finest. We're going to get really good at energy so we can power more machines crypto. to <laughs> Blockchain. Mint crypto. It's mine. Mine. Yeah. Hey, uh, I was I was humiliated last. I mean, on the long list of humiliations, but last summer by um, by Johnny Johnny Thorson. I think it's Johnny Thorson, um, Norwegian guy. No, oh, yeah. I'm not worried. He's Danish. I'm gonna have to Google this. So, uh, Johnny was on a panel about blockchain and crypto, and he was the person that educated me. That, oh, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. It was great. The, the cryptocurrency. Digital currency is just a tiny subset of the blockchain, and it was fascinating. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, it's Johnny Thorson. Thorson, and he's Norwegian. Look at that. Dead right. Hi, Johnny. So, no, but the blockchain, we, we, we synonymize them like we do the internet and the World Wide Web. The Correct. World Wide Web is a subset of the internet, and digital currency is a small subset of blockchain, and blockchain can do all kinds of remarkable things, most of which I don't understand. Yeah, yeah the, the application of, uh, call it the immutable ledger, and being able to know when a transaction occurred and have it corroborated by a community of people, that technology is very interesting. Crypto as uh, perhaps a replacement for fiat currency, uh, like... Sure, we're doing things with that right now, some of which is illegal, some of which is because preppers have decided fiat currency isn't sustainable. Like, I understand the drivers there, but I don't know that we've appropriately unlocked the real value of that technology. We're playing right now. It's early stage yet, and that's okay, but I think there are fanatics who like to pretend this is the end-all be-all, and you can't exist without crypto whereas the underlying technology i think is more interesting yeah. to me yeah and johnny yeah. did suggest that they've for blockchain they've solved the energy situation then mm. yeah it's much more efficient <laughs> move to it. there's a whole thing yeah. nobody no well there are people interested in this but nobody who listens to it um so but but back to the fiat currency yeah so taking away um there was an article last week uh, that the Bank of England is in a race to issue cryptocurrency to is try to really? keep up with other yeah. other sort of central banks that are also also looking at it. And of course, the joke is it's currently in testing to see if Liz Truss and Quasi Quarteng can crash it quite as quickly as it can <laughs> the real pound. That was a joke for British people. Okay. Um, 
Oh, I did. We didn't do the exercise about the emotional, uh, emotional Kevlar. So, so this, uh, we'll put this on. Oh, is this we'll the this uh, people? Yeah, just just um, about, taking time to work out. <laughs> this is completely out of context because we talked about this 15 minutes ago. But the it's exercise okay. that I wanted to take people through can was this idea of essentially making a list of people that whose opinions mm -hmm. you listen to, that you let through that emotional Kevlar, and the, therefore anybody not on that list, if the criticism comes in, mm -hmm. you really don't take it that seriously. And I speak as somebody, and I think Ace, you can endorse that, I speak as somebody that have people that are, are um, significant um, appreciators of me, <laughs> <laughs> and there are oh. people who are the opposite. Of significant appreciators of me, verging no on, on raw <laughs> sheer plates and hatred. So, in that realm, uh, so what one does, what we do, is you write your name in the center of a circle, and you write the names. So you are the sun in your solar system. We call this orbit of matter. So this is people who matter to you around an orbit. So you write your name in the center of the paper, draw a circle around it. You are the sun, and then you write the names of people whose opinion of you matters mm -hmm. to you. And the closer in they are to your son, the more important their opinion. So you just write and you write and you write. Friends, family, coworkers, you, you, you don't have to put your mum right next to your name. Like you be honest about it. It's, it's not whether you love them. It's whether their opinion mm -hmm. of you matters to you. And so, for instance, I don't love my brother, but his opinion of me matters a great deal to me. <laughs> Highly. Highly. I can guarantee he's not listening to this. So you do that, and then you, you pull the economist's trick, which mm -hmm. is to create a visceral scenario in your brain to think of, to do the filter. And the economist's trick in this is once you've mapped that out, you then say, okay, you've been to see your doctor, and your doctor says you have this condition that means you only have six weeks to live and draw a line around the people you would choose to spend time with mm -hmm. if you only had six weeks left on this planet. And that is the list of people whose opinions you should really care about in terms of how you're raising your family, how you're running your career, your ethics and your values, that's your list. Mm -hmm. What's interesting from the science is when we see people do this, we do this when we're coaching executives, is that very rarely is it a perfect circle which is the illustration that we're sort of lying to ourselves yeah. about how people's opinions, because once you put, oh no, actually I wouldn't choose to spend time with that person, yeah. Oh, that's, yeah. it, it, it does, it, it forces in hand, right? right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, nobody ever has it, it's always, oh I, you sort of, people scoot around Turn somebody, people out. suddenly pull them in. Then you go circle like somebody up in the top corner yeah. and just oh, on their own, you're like, realize. oh yeah, no. Anyway, so that. that becomes sort of who gets through the Kevlar filter, and the rest, of course, if you're gonna do great, meaningful work, probably means you are gonna upset a great deal of people and you're gonna put noses out of joint and make people feel threatened. And therefore speaking present. speaking of people we care about yeah. and, and opinions of, you wrote something down here that said, catch up with mates are different now. Did you write, or did, did I, I, I write, did I write that? You might have written uh, that. Oh, I, I think I did write that. Um, <laughs> Okay, well, I just segued into my own segment. Harry, but he's, he's talking to himself. Again. I am talking. Ace, actually, why don't you interview Ace for a while? No, I'm okay. actually having a continued conversation that I started with Perry, I think. Uh, mates aren't mates anymore. Yeah, no. It, so to that end, um, yeah. so I, I lived with a really good friend of mine for a long time, and we don't live together anymore. We've since like parted ways. Harry, did you, hear, did you hear the tone in his voice when he said, we don't live together anymore? We don't anymore. live together anymore. You know, <laughs> it's just that little like, broke up the band. sadness. Yeah. We, we broke up the band. We yeah. live like five blocks from yeah. each other. We bought houses. Do you meet secretly no. in the middle of the night and just, <laughs> just look at each other? I wouldn't say secretly. But you do, don't you? No. Well, yeah. maybe. Hi, Jake. Hi, Jake. Jake. Um, yeah. yeah, but but I find that <laughs> we used to microdose information. And I, uh, yeah, we yeah. like 
we were together all the time. Uh-huh. You get home and you hear somebody, uh-huh. yeah, you grunt. You like hear each other on calls when we're working from home. And it's, uh, you know, hey, uh, this happened or that, this, that, and a third. And now I find when we catch up, which is maybe every other week to two weeks at a time, we like spend the first hour just brain dumping <laughs> everything. Right? We just go and we unload and then... For the next week, we can like microdose again because yeah. we've caught up on the body of work that has happened yeah. since our last hang. And it's just as lives progress and as we get older and as like the dynamic of relationships changes. And I, I think a lot about your hang with your buddies mm-hmm. where you're not allowed to catch up yeah. with, yeah. which I think is brilliant. But I'm finding now that it's so much more work. I, I can appreciate why some folks have just downsized their core group. It's too much work to keep up on everybody who you care about. It's also no fun. It's so, yeah. It's no fun getting the update. So I, I, I remember now what you're talking about. Because I, I was talking about with a group of friends from home. Mm-hmm. So we did this thing that we have to now reintroduce because our kids don't need looking after anymore. We can just abandon. So them. you can you can start up again. Which yeah. was we would just pick a pick a bar somewhere in Europe and a date and a time to mm-hmm. show up. And the the rule was, and we all lived all all around the world actually. And we'd fly back for this. Um, and the rule was you couldn't catch up. Mm-hmm. So you had to talk. So you'd wander into this cafe bar wherever, and it was like when we were young. You'd seen each other just a few hours before. And so you just talk about the rugby match that was on the TV or whatever. Yeah. Joyous. Okay. And you'd leave having no idea whether they'd had another <laughs> child or not. Like, because yeah. it didn't matter. Yeah. Um, the other thing, I, um, I'm, I'm having dinner with a good friend coming up in a few weeks, and uh, I'm going to do the dice thing. Really? So You're going to play the dice game? Yeah. So you roll the die mm. to determine what you talk about. So you don't talk about everything. So you write a list of the things you might want to might talk about you want to catch up on so yeah. you and jake in this situation you sure. would like you'd write your list of things that you i mean you wouldn't do this because i know jake and i don't think he writes but the hi jake not because he can't just because he chooses not to <laughs> the so you'd write them all down and number them and you'd roll a die yeah. to determine huh. what, what you covered and you didn't so you actually sort of went in you went in deep on something instead of just like that superficial so, so how are you oh it's okay. the worst yeah it's like landing in the middle again i mean so like it, if we go back to where we started which was very serious I and like i can't remember where we no started. I, I know where okay. we started it was okay. forcing ourselves to be very honest about who we care about the yeah. opinion yeah, of yeah, and yeah. would okay. spend time with you know like <laughs> to do that you got six weeks. I feel like the first week would be just catching up with people, yeah. which is getting a foundation yeah. of where they are in life. If they've had that other kid, if the raise happened or they moved jobs or they got a new house or they did the addition to set out, like all of that stuff, which is like important because those are the lives that we live. But uh, what's the connection really look like? And can we be intentional about that? And so I'm, I'm just I'm recalibrating around how I hang and catch up and that intentionality of touch points more frequently so it's not this big we just burnt 90 minutes just getting to zero so we can hang again so that's what i'm thinking about how we hang with buddies we've got uh i'll come back to that okay all right gatherings let's stay on gatherings yeah i feel spring is coming we've had a few warm days here in virginia oh and so wow the compound is so different when the sun's out. It is. Everybody's out. Everybody's sitting outside in the courtyard of the mm-hmm. garden, jamming on their MacBooks and iPads and whatever mm-hmm. other tool they have. Um, but bringing people together. So yeah. we, it'd be interesting in 2023. We noticed last year, if, if you remember, that there was a 
lots of people saying, hey, can we come and hang out? Can mm -hmm. we? Because we, we do the, we're big into breaking bread. Yeah. Right? And so yep. we'd, hey, we're doing a cookout. We're doing an open house. Come over for drinks. And lots and lots of people said they wanted it. They really craved it. And then turnout was much, much lower than. Yeah. So there's two explanations for that. <laughs> One is that there's a hesitancy post-pandemic to gather, but a pent-up demand to do it. Or there's some insecurity, like subconscious insecurity. Yeah. Or just we're way less popular. Yeah, we're than not we that interesting. Actually, now I think about it, it's just the latter. There's yeah. nothing to study here. But uh, yeah, I think we should start... Um, I think, actually, for those who are listening who are from out of town, when they come to Richmond, we should start doing some celebratory dinners. Mm. And maybe not even tell the guest we're doing it. So, <laughs> I think we've just told all the guests that we're doing this, Scott. It but, yeah, I think we should go more formal. Speeches. I think there should be speeches. I'm wearing well. a tux. No, but what I'm interested in is okay. what the reinvention of gathering has been. Because you're really passionate. You read books about this stuff yeah. and how to bring people together. Because I think start times for when you gather, RSVPs. I've noticed the number of restaurants now that are charging deposits for reservations, which I don't yeah. blame them for at all because people just don't show. Like It's as if the whole world has become Los Angeles. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the middle of um, The Art of Gathering, uh, oh, yeah. which I really dig. Priya Parker is the author, and she's a facilitator. Um, so we live in very similar worlds. Um, and uh, there's there's one quote that stuck out to me as I was kind of, I think I sent it to you and Vera. I just like started screenshotting this whole book and like just, you're reading the book accidentally because I keep sending every page of brilliance. Um, but there was one quote that she, she said, we approach... We orient to gatherings as a logistical issue rather than a human one. Mm. And, and that rang so true. It's the, how do I get people with busy lives into the same place? And uh, I haven't necessarily given them a justification or background or context or a reason. I've just said, I want to convene people. And so I've got to do the triangulation of calendar rather than just giving people a really good reason to want to be here and to make space for it. Um, and that's the Ace Paraphrase version. But that idea of logistical versus human, and if I, there's this orientation to what connecting as humans looks like and what people need to be filled up, particularly after seasonal depression and gray and gross, like we're reemerging from hibernation. And I think there is this desire to connect if we do it well. And I find that we just, we, the royal we, don't connect well. Um, we just connect because we've found time and space for it rather than a like true grounded reason that everybody wants to be there. So I think finding more reasons to connect is uh, really interesting to me. I'm smiling because we have a list of products that we want to plug. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Again, nobody's asked us to plug, not pay us. <laughs> Actually, they probably pay us not to plug them. So, um, yeah, if you're on the list, now's the time to send us money not for us not to mention you on air. But one of them, I try to solve for that logistic issue using yeah. one of them, which yeah. is Calendly. Yeah, you like Calendly. I really like Calendly. Um, it's uh, calendly.com. And you can set up automated booking so Stinson put me onto this. It's terrific. And it can read your calendar and make spots available for a whole host of different things. It's super, except for this, which uh, I try to switch our dinners over where we'd send an invitation and people could choose the dinner that they came to. Mm -hmm. And nobody signed up for a dinner, which isn't true in the business, right? If sure. you're lining up a cup of coffee or lunch and stuff, everybody was like, and what I realized is the invitation is part of that experience. Like people have to feel wanted. It has yeah. to reach out. But therefore, logistically, mm -hmm. it's... To your point, it's incredibly difficult. It's, it's hard. It, yeah. It's not particularly efficient, um, but yeah. is it effective? And are we are we connecting for efficiency or efficacy? 
is a very real question to ask. Yeah, one other observation from last year. Oh, God. Was when we invited people to a thing, they didn't come. When we put out on social media that we were doing a thing and nobody was invited, a bunch of people showed up. <laughs> yeah. That's, that, that is when this small city has become L.A. That's it. That's the sign. I love it. All right. Uh, you had, when's being a square a prerequisite to being an MD? And I assume that means doctor rather than managing director. Yeah. Maybe we... Uh, yeah, this might be the last thing we talk about. Right. I don't know. We'll sure. see. Um, God, okay. Well, I'm going to get myself in trouble. Um, it, it, but speaking of Adderall, uh, which you, you mentioned. I was trying to, I was hoping Perry was going to edit out that joke. No, it's, no, it's coming. It's okay. coming back because this is, this is very real. Um, I had a uh, sleep study appointment. Yeah. I don't sleep particularly. I sleep, I sleep easily. I don't sleep well. Um, I, I have I have never yeah. really slept well, and I'm trying to figure that out because sleep is really important. Uh, I've heard, and so I had the sleep study appointment, and it was the first time in my adult life that I have had a really bad interaction with a medical professional. Like it just it it wasn't great. I had more questions and answers coming out of it, and like it seemed like she was moving too fast during the day, and like just kind of back to logistical versus human, she went through the checklist of things she had to ask, but didn't get context around the answer. Yeah. So for instance, one of the questions was, uh, do you ever feel drowsy while you're driving? And, or do you, do you ever feel tired while you're driving? And my answer is, yeah, if I'm on a nine hour <laughs> haul in the car, of course I feel tired. It's, I'm driving. it's a very like, it, but the question was, do you, and so I answered yes, and she's like, well, we recommend you pull off the road and take a nap. She, she asked what I do to, to come that and I was like I roll down the window like a normal person she's like I recommend you you we recommend you pull off the road to take a nap when you feel tired while you're driving because if you get pulled over and you fell asleep at the wheel uh, it's six months without your license there was no question of have you ever fallen asleep behind the wheel well, the answer is no have you ever gotten in a car accident the answer is no have you uh, you know how long are you driving when you feel tired the answer would be a significant amount of time right but there was no context around the questions and so one of the questions was um, have you ever taken Ritalin or Adderall huh? and I kind of looked at her and I said I've taken uh, not prescribed was my answer <laughs> And she kind of, so you could hear record scratch. She looked at me. She goes, what? And I like said, I moved the mic just then. yeah, it, it was one of those. It's just, and so she looked at me and she goes, well, what do you mean by that? And I looked back at her. We were both equally incredulous at each other at that, in that moment. She looked at me like, I can't believe you've had Adderall. And I said, have you been in college? Have you pulled an all nighter? That's when I've taken Adderall. Um, I said, yeah, it's not been prescribed. And she lost it. She's like, well, we, we generally recommend you don't do that. And I looked at her and I said, well, yeah, that makes sense. But that brings me to the are the type of people who have made it through medical school and are in the medical profession now, are those, a, is that a certain type of person, whereas they're interacting with people who might be like me, who have done things and lived life and had experiences, and whenever I share with my medical professional some of the life that I have lived prior to this point in time, I get this look of judgment or incredulousness. And I wonder if that's just going to be the case of how you have to exist to be a medical professional, which is very different than I've existed. And I'm wondering if there's tension there just by default. You have a thought. <laughs> no, I thought let's, let's talk to Alan about that. Mm. And, uh, we have but, to. but there might be an argument that you have to work so hard through medical school. Mm -hmm. You don't have space for, 
point. Yeah, or yeah. The, or the you take an Adderall to get through. So I think I framed it as is being a square a prerequisite for yeah. being a medical. Ah, that's not fair. Yeah. That's not fair. It's not to call someone a square because they haven't done some of the things also, sometimes elicited. Yeah. yeah. What do you What do you yeah. say? Eh? Uh, but that idea of are we orienting to the real things that real humans experience and try and do and have done in their lives? Um, married to their their medical professional who is ostensibly there to give them guidance and counseling for how to live life better, stay alive longer, be healthy, etc. And are those sometimes at odds from what is humanly expected to have experienced versus those who put in the work and grinded through medical school and maybe didn't have those experiences? So I'm like, I, that's, I'm exploring that Also, right that, that dumb question is clearly provided by some... <laughs> Great strategy for well. Yeah. Do you ever feel tired in a car? Uh, right. It. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So um, I had an experience, and I walked away wondering if that person was the right person to better understand how I live. Hey, it is interesting though, isn't it? Different types of transportation that send you to sleep. Because yeah. if you slept in cars like you sleep in planes, like you'd never be able to drive. No. No. Perry, I don't know if you've seen this. I apologize to flight crew when we get on board because he's always chipper because he has this need to make friends with everybody. I'm like, listen, as soon as we take off, you'll be asleep. So you'll be done with this. And like 20 seconds after takeoff, he's just out like a baby. My mom Mine drove me around. I, the number a, of times I've woken up in Edinburgh is ridiculous. I, I'm my, not intending to go. My to mom drove me around in a Mustang 5.0 when I was little uh -huh. to put me to sleep. There you go. And so if I'm That's a passenger, it. I'm asleep. If That's I'm driving, awesome. I'm fine. So there we go. Uh, hey, we another regular segment because if we say it's a regular segment, it's got to be Envoy Tank Radio. Tank Radio. This, this is our segment where we um, talk about not just tanks, but military things that are relevant to civilians. And it turns out that things in the sky have been relevant to civilians. And so I just wa I wanted to make a call out to Canada mm. because there were some headlines over the weekend that um, there was another. <laughs> they the, shut down the aliens. The Pentagon is insisting on calling these things objects. So they're literally unidentified flying objects. This is not going to help with conspiracy theories. Could we come up with another letter that isn't UFOs? So um, I think it's Kirby in Pentagon. Uh, but a top military official said that he couldn't rule out that it was an actual UFO. So to add, to layer on top of... <laughs> At this stage, they're unidentified because we shot them to pieces, flying objects. Uh -huh. So, but, um, so one of these things was shot down over Canada and the Canadian government Prime Minister Trudeau was very clear to say that both he and President Biden had authorized the U.S. from NORAD, the, the North American uh, defense unit, yeah, the thing, you know, the one that tracks Santa. That's what people know it for. That one, yep. Uh, or defense North America, one or the other, uh, had shot down this unidentified thing over Yukon Territory. Uh, Yukon Territory, t to Americans, just to be clear, it's not where you drive your GM truck. It is a part of Canada. It is. Um, and it was shot down. Now, and the Canadians were very clear that Canadian aircraft were involved in this as well. Yep. So we just want to let everybody know that the Canadians can shoot things down. It was the America's turn to take a shot. And those F-22s are just, when we're at Langley, uh -huh. uh, they fly out of there. Yeah. They're just, they're something else. Anyway, Real so yes, so they're shooting these things down. There was another one over Lake Huron. Um, so apparently everybody's interested in the in Canada and America right now with these, what we think of balloons. But, but to reassure it now, but there's an angle to this, mm -hmm. is that my brother works for the Calgary Police Service, and at the same time as this was happening, was in the Calgary Police helicopter, and I'm slightly worried he was trying to get it, because he's a little <laughs> competitive, and he's not usually with the aviation unit. 
Um, but he was. You know? So Lee, just let it go. Yukon Territory is a long way from Alberta, and you wouldn't be able to catch it. Let the planes, millimeter let wasn't going to do Let the planes anything. do it, you yeah. overachieving little <laughs> F-22s. constable or whatever he is. Apparently he's slightly more than a constable. All right. I love it. On that note, on may your week radio. be full of identified objects. Identified at that. We'll see you next week. <laughs>